Thanks for tuning in. I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. In this episode, a Chicago Teamsters boss pleads guilty to federal corruption charges, radical Chicago union activists go on a propaganda tour of socialist Venezuela, and Senator Bernie Sanders discovers the perils of his preferred labor policies. Stop me if you've heard this story before. A well-connected Chicago political fixer and leader in the International Brotherhood of Teamsters Union pleaded guilty in federal court to corruption offenses this week. John Coley Sr., the head of Chicago's Teamsters local until he resigned in 2017, pleaded guilty to involvement in extorting $325,000 from Cinespace Chicago Film Studios, which films such notable shows as Empire and Chicago Fire, and has turned state's evidence, agreeing to cooperate with unspecified federal investigations. Among the goodies from federal investigators' court filings was a wiretap excerpt on which Coley told Cinespace's president, quote, We'll shut it down tomorrow. We'll shut it down within an hour. I will, expletive deleted, have a picket line up here and everything will stop, close quote, after Cinespace stopped making what the Chicago Tribune described as secret cash payments to Coley. Pursuant to his plea, Coley admitted receiving, again quoting the Chicago Tribune, quote, meals at fine dining establishments in Las Vegas and other cities, free tickets to professional baseball and football games, and the use of a yacht with a two-person crew by Coley and his guests, including an excursion in and around Italy, according to the plea agreement. Coley had been a close ally of former Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel, endorsing the former Obama White House Chief of Staff when Rambo was seeking labor union endorsements in his 2011 election campaign. The Chicago Tribune reported that Coley's union spent nearly $170,000 supporting Emanuel in 2011 and in his 2015 re-election campaign. The story can't, leads us to we can't help being reminded of the sordid history of Coley's union. Corruption was endemic in the International Brotherhood of Teamsters at all levels, under the infamous Devil's Pact that the Union made with organized crime until the late 20th century, when a wide-ranging Racketeer-Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act, better known as RICO, consent decree was agreed between the Teamsters Union and federal prosecutors. The decree dictated substantial structural changes to the Union that have only begun to be scaled back in the past few years. If they're going to claim that democratic socialism, the new supposedly trendy left-wing movement, isn't going to end up in starvation and dictatorship like Venezuela, perhaps radical left activists should avoid promoting the socialist dictatorship of the collapsing petrostate. A number of Chicago teachers' union activists, including at least one member of the union's executive board, decided that it would be a good idea to travel to Caracas to, quote, learn what they could from Venezuela's Bolivarian revolution exchange views on effective education, and show solidarity with the students, teachers, and social movements of Venezuela. First, some background. Venezuela's civil conflict, which we have covered on this podcast before, continues as a sort of cold civil war. The authoritarian socialist regime of Nicolas Maduro has not lost control over the Venezuelan military, though Social Democratic National Assembly leader Juan Guaido continues to hold international recognition from Western countries, including the United States. The Chicago's Teachers Union is notoriously radical, even by the standards of its parent, the American Federation of Teachers. In 2012, the union rose to national prominence for striking against Mayor Rahm Emanuel and securing the city's capitulation. While radical left union president Karen Lewis stepped down for health reasons in 2018, her successor, Jesse Sharkey, also comes from the union's radical socialist caucus of rank-and-file educators. And that brings us to the CTU's delegation. The union had previously adopted a resolution opposing U.S. intervention in Venezuela and decrying the American recognition of Guaido and the National Assembly as the legitimate governing authority of Venezuela. 
In mid-July, a delegation of Chicago Teachers Union officials, led by executive board member Sarah Chambers, went to meet Maduro regime officials and to be propagandized about the wonders of Venezuelan socialism. According to the conservative-aligned Chicago City Wire, not everybody in the union is happy about this private diplomacy. An unnamed source told the City Wire, quote, they are Maduro's useful idiots. And in our final item, Senator Bernie Sanders, the self-described Democratic Socialist representing Vermont, has never seen a union favor he did not support. Card-check public organizing votes? Sanders voted for them. Repealing every right-to-work law in the country, forcing workers to pay unions, whether they support union agendas or not? Sanders has sponsored legislation to do just that. Authorizing strikes to target employers not directly involved in labor disputes? Sanders has sponsored legislation to do that. So it's not surprising that Sanders would recognize a labor union of his presidential campaign staff under the UFCW union. But that decision has given Sanders a rude lesson in the consequences of expanding union power. Despite their union contract, Sanders' campaign staff had gone to the press griping that their long hours, normal for operatives on national political campaigns, and salaried pay scale meant that they weren't making the $15 per hour that Sanders has repeatedly demanded be the national minimum wage. The campaign later adjusted pay and hours to ensure it paid an effective $15 minimum. During the dispute, Sanders expressed disappointment with the union, saying, quote, It does bother me that people are going outside of the process and going to the media. That is really not acceptable. It is really not what labor negotiations are about, and it's improper. The problem, as I note in an op-ed at the Washington Examiner, is that modern labor negoti- union negotiations are all about going outside of the process and going to the media. From the SEIU's corporate campaigns to the secondary boycotts, strikes to coerce a third-party employer into no longer doing business with the union's actual target company, that the Sanders-endorsed Protecting the Right to Organize Act would legalize, are all about leveraging brand damage through sophisticated public relation pressure campaigns in the media. One can sympathize with Sanders' position as a unionized employer. With competition from dozens of rivals putting his efforts in jeopardy, the last thing he needs is a nasty internal fight spilling into newspapers and onto cable news. It's just a shame that he can't see that other American employers deserve the same consideration. That's our show for this week. If you're listening to this on YouTube, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you have subscribed, thank you, and please leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next week.